Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast for those who shake things up in business and are focused on growth and success. This episode is produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. ATC is a 30-year-old association that is focused on promoting and facilitating the growth of technology companies in Central Texas. Over the past three decades, the business ecosystem in Austin has changed, and ATC is actively changing too. Learn more at austintechnologycouncil.org. My name is Tom Singer, and I have hosted this podcast now for eight years and over 725 episodes. I am also the new CEO at the Austin Technology Council. And while this this podcast is not always focused on Austin, in the next few months, we are going to be interviewing some tech leaders here in Central Texas and find out about how we can grow our community that is so fantastic. And this is applicable for all of you, no matter where you live. And today, I am happy to welcome to the show, Carolyn Jenkins. Hey, Carolyn, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and I also want to congratulate you on your new position. Uh, We are very excited in the tech community to see what pivots and shifts you'll bring to the Technology Council. Well, thank you. I'm excited to find those things out as well, because we're just getting started. Uh, For those of you who don't know Carolyn, she helps everyone around her. She tries very hard to make the world a better place. And at her heart, she is a connector. She helps people find what they need, both personally and professionally. Now, she has a really long career working in tech. In fact, in technology, she's worn just about every hat. She started in HR for a tech services company. She has been in implementation, in systems integration. She's worked on customer success. She has been a COO, a chief product officer, and a CEO. And now... She is the co-founder and CEO of We Are Here. So, Carolyn, tell us a little bit about We Are Here. Thank you. I'm excited to do that. We Are Here started um, a little over a year ago, and our job, we are so mission-oriented, but we are making an impact in the lives of everyone who is affected by cancer. So your medical doctors uh, and professionals, nurses, et cetera, take care of the disease, but you're really left to figure out the impact it has on the rest of your life by yourself. And it's daunting and overwhelming. And we have stepped in to fill that gap and we help them find the resources that they need for the impact cancer has on their everyday life. 
Wow, that is such an important cause, and so many people are impacted by cancer directly and indirectly. I know that I lost my mom to cancer when I was a teenager, and so I know that, I mean, granted, that was 40 years ago, but I know that it's hard to find the resources, uh, and it still is even 40 years later. So what you're doing is such a great cause. How in the world did you go from this tech executive who has worked in all of those different roles in the ecosystem of technology companies to starting this organization? The first thing that happened was I lived the problem. I was about 60 days into being a first-time CEO of a SaaS software company here in Austin, Texas. I had been hired by Joel Trammell to be CEO of Chorus, and about 60 days in, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, So when you live that, you know, as a technologist, a type A personality, you know, not afraid to say or do much, um, I still struggled to find some of the resources that I needed. You know, I had great medical doctors. They did their job. They took care of the medical side, but it was up to me to find a lot of what I needed. And I was trying to balance, you know, I was already full-time employee, full-time mom, still, you know, three kids, two of them still at home, didn't drive yet. And all of a sudden I needed all this time to find out how to handle cancer. And it was exhausting and overwhelming. And I kept also counting my blessings because that's, that's part of my personality. But I kept saying, how do other people do this? And I kept saying this to my friends. I don't know how other people do this because I keep writing checks and I can miss work. Although eventually it was too much to battle cancer and keep having surgery and work. But I kept asking that question and I lived the problem. So when my co-founders approached me and I, you know, this, this wasn't actually my idea. Um, (laughs) I'd like to take credit for the idea, but it wasn't my idea. But when I was approached by the other co-founders to see if I wanted to join and run the business, it was a no brainer. It was absolutely, I was like, I kept asking, how do people do this? And now I get to Mm -hmm. solve that problem for them. Well, you know, you've led us into sort of the topic that I want to talk to you about today, and that is resiliency, because in the world that we live in, there's a lot of just things we all have to deal with. Sometimes it's extremely serious, like what you went through being a CEO and a mother and someone who was battling cancer with all of the other pieces of life that has to come along. Sometimes it's a global pandemic. Sometimes it's a looming recession. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. And sometimes it can be overwhelming to people. And resiliency seems, you know, when when times are good, it's easy to talk about resiliency. But when times are bad, sometimes people get paralyzed in their own thoughts, etc. So what have you learned about resiliency over the last few years? And, and, and why is this a topic that you care so much about? It's really important for me as a leader to make sure that I am guarding my own resiliency so that the example that I set for the rest of the company is to also be resilient. And it I really shouldn't limit that to company. That applies to my kids who are all, you know, now grown, to my other family, to my friends. My ability to be resilient sets a tone for them and it sets an example for them. And so I do think as a leader of your family, a leader of your company, um, your friend group, et cetera, it's important to build that skill set of resiliency because it does spread. You know, we sometimes learn anger begets anger. And if you smile at someone, they smile. Mm -hmm. Well, the same concept applies to resiliency. If you show resiliency, 
you can help other people become resilient. So in these, you know, times that have been somewhat troubling in recent years for everybody, how can a company, how can leaders in a company, besides just being resilient themselves, what can they do to help their employees embrace resiliency if, if they're facing a recession, if they're facing sort of the the, the spin outs of, of maybe some tough times? What, what, what can leaders do to, to prep people to be resilient? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is there is not, unfortunately, a one one solution fits all. I've always been a big proponent of um, the platinum rule. Anyone who's ever heard me on any interview has probably heard me talk about the platinum rule. And that also is important when you're talking about resiliency. So, you know, golden rule, we all know, do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. But the platinum rule is about doing unto them as they want done unto themselves. And the reason that's important is the things that make me resilient might not quite be the same approach that helps my employees be resilient. So the first rule is always understand and listen to your employees' concerns. Because if I'm talking to them about managing budgets, but their concern is, you know, completely different than budgets, their concern is, you know, in a whole other area, I'm not helping. I'm hurting so what can a leader do to make sure that they're understanding what people are going through? Because I understand exactly what you're saying, right? It's if you're talking about stuff and they're sidetracked by these other problems, that's there. But what are some like in the weeds actions that a leader can do to understand where their people are? Make the time for one-on-one meetings with the team. Um, make the time to ask them open-ended leading questions about how they are. And not just, how are you hitting your KPIs? How are your performance metrics? But how are you as a person doing? And it is okay to say facts as well, right? Hey, I see you're really hitting all your metrics, but how are you doing? Are you okay? Or I see that some of your metrics are slipping. How are you doing? Because someone might be knocking it out of the ballpark, but behind the scenes, they're exhausted and angry and about to burn out and you don't realize it because you're saying, oh, they're fine. All, they're hitting all their KPIs. So you really do have to ask, no matter what the performance metrics say, that doesn't tell you how their internal metrics are doing. So it sounds like you were and are a very good boss, but we all know, and you and I have both worked for some of these people, people who their, their natural instinct isn't to think of how are you doing? So how can bosses become better bosses in this area? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's really like anything else that it's practice. And if you don't have an inherent characteristic, you have to want the characteristic. So if I am, for example, by nature, not detail-oriented, which I actually do happen to be, but (laughs) if I'm not detail-oriented, but I know I need to be, then what am I putting on my calendar to help me be more detail-oriented? What reminders am I putting on there? Maybe what book am I reading to learn to be more detail-oriented? So if you know that you need to be a little bit higher, maybe in your emotional intelligence to help with resiliency, then give yourself homework. What books do you need to read to listen for emotional intelligence? What 
do you need to put on your calendar? If you need to put a reminder on your own calendar, hey, be a good boss and, and reach out to five employees today and just ask how they're doing, then put that on your calendar. There's no shame in reminding yourself to learn a new skill set. I really like that. It's 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 like, hey, I, I know I'm not good at it, so I schedule that for Wednesday at four o'clock. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> my schedule, I have a schedule that reminds me to check Twitter because I'm really bad about that. I mean, we all have <laughs> things we, we need reminders for, and we have to recognize that and put a practice into place to address it so that we improve. So we started off, one of the things you talked about was, was counting your blessings. And I know when, when I'm in a time of, of resiliency lacking, if you will, when I'm, when I'm freaked out, when I, when I want to crawl up under the covers and, and, uh, and cry, for lack of a better term, uh, I do know that one of the tricks I was taught a long time ago was to go back and, and number one, quit uh, catastrophizing, I think is the actual word. It's, it's like quit looking at the worst case scenario and go back and, and count the good things that are going on in whatever the situation is or, or your life. What are some other tricks that people can do to help them be resilient? You really need to identify the wasted worry. There are certain things that you can spend a lot of time um, worrying about, but you can't change it. Um, you know, my brain is not making up good examples today. <laughs> I can worry all day long about if it's going to rain tonight or not, but what a waste of my worry because I have no control over if it's going to rain. I can have a plan for if it does rain and I can have a plan for if it doesn't rain. And there are some things in our life and in our job where we just need that same approach. It's like, can I personally do anything to change the outcome? Well, if I can't change it, then stop worrying about it and just have a plan. Have a plan A, have a plan B, move on. Spend your energy where you can positively move the needle and it will help you count those blessings because it's like, okay, I got this done today. I got this done today and I see the impact of what I did get done instead of spending a lot of time, energy and uh, an emotion on something I can't change one way or another, no matter what I do. So in a world where people have to face things like in, in the case of what your business does, cancer, when you have the resources from an organization like we are here, how does that instantly bring you a little bit more resiliency when, you, when you're facing a tough time? What are some of the things that, that we are here does specifically for cancer patients? You know, some of the first things we do that we get a lot of um, testimonials and feedback from our members is that we just listen. We just let them talk without interrupting them. We listen to their fears and their concerns. But then we also help reduce their level of overwhelm or their level of stress, if you will, because we take on some of the work for them. With their permission, if you will, we will go find for them the resources that they need, the information that they need. A lot of it we already have, of course. We're building a database and we have um, suppliers and connectors. And, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was handed a paper binder in 2018 that's about two inches thick that had pages and pages of here's some resources you, you can go look at which meant I had to go do the research, you know, find out if that applied to me or not. It's already, you're already tired and that's more exhausting. We cut all that out for them. So we instantly can say, what I heard you say is 
You have no idea how to eat now that you have nutrition. Well, we have articles on that. We have nutrition coaches who specialize in oncology. Um, you know, we'll make those connections for you. Boom. That gets a bit of worry off their plate and it does it instantly. And so that speed to service as well as giving them what they need really reduces their level of stress and overwhelm. So I love that point about reducing overwhelm because just just saying the words made me feel more resilient just instantly that if I can reduce the overwhelm, I'm going to be able to to face, you know, whatever problems I'm facing. If I can just reduce that overwhelm. Is there anything else before we sort of wrap up this idea of resiliency? And then I want to take you into some questions about Austin technology. But as as we as we wrap this up around resiliency, is there anything else that you wish everybody knew? Oh, goodness, about being resilient. It's um, yes, because I consider myself extremely resilient. But even if you're resilient, forgive yourself when you have a bad day, Mm. (laughs) because we all fall into the trap of having a bad day. And a part of resiliency is also forgiveness, forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness of others when we don't behave the way uh, that would be the most optimal. Well, I wanted, I don't want to let you go without talking about sort of the past, present, and future of the Austin technology ecosystem, because you have such a long history of, of working for companies in, in the region, and, uh, and, and you're still involved with technology in the region and beyond. So when we look at tech, how long have you been in Austin? I moved here nine years ago. But I was here a really long time ago for my undergrad and my MBA. Oh, okay. So, so, so you know Austin. So in the last 10 years, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the world of technology in Austin? We've gone through such rapid change. What are some things that you remember about when you, when you were here originally or when you came 10 years ago? Uh, what are some of the things you remember? And then where are we now? Oh, my goodness. E, the number of more established technology companies Uh, has dramatically increased, right? The number of technology companies that are public has dramatically increased. But I think also our flexibility, and technology lends itself to this some, but even pre-pandemic, we were becoming more flexible in work from home sometimes or bring your dog to work Mm -hmm. or, you know, that, that level of flexibility in Austin, then, Every year I've been here, I think Austin has become more flexible in saying, how do we have work-life balance for our employees? And I think in many ways was ahead of the curve when I moved here from Houston was, you know, definitely ahead of the curve of what I had seen in Houston. Do you think that the pandemic fast forwarded some of that? I do. I think technology companies, especially startup technology companies, we're well on their way to already doing a lot of flexibility, work from home, work from wherever, uh, for lots of different reasons. In part, it was a recruiting tool. In part, it was, you know, keep down the cost of my rent because I didn't have to have an office for every single headcount. There were reasons in the startup space. But I do think that the pandemic accelerated that for the larger companies who had not yet maybe experimented with that, if they were in technology or not. And especially, I think the pandemic accelerated it in technology around healthcare. I think we took years off of uh, the roadmap that we were looking at for being able to have digital health meetings and to, you know, have a video call with your doctor and it be covered by your health insurance. The pandemic moved a lot of that bureaucracy out of the way. 
Yeah, I mean, I can speak from my own life when we had the uh, the the snowmageddon where we were all snowed in our houses without power and water and light uh, for you know five days. Uh, I ended up getting an infection in one of my toes, and I was able to actually have the entire medicine by a telemedicine appointment. And then I was able to crawl driving across ice at like one mile an hour uh, to HEB to be able to fulfill the prescription. But I never had to go across town to actually see the doctor to be able to get the, the medication that I needed. And the doctor even told me that had this happened two years, three years earlier, and I was snowed in, I could have had a serious problem with the infection that I had. And I was able to to not have that problem because I was able to, within my neighborhood, at least get to HEB and get home. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. And it's nice to know that there are occasions when our government <laughs> moves faster. <laughs> like um, Sometimes you know, it would be nice if it didn't take a pandemic for that to happen. <laughs> but I do appreciate that what were temporary approvals, those approvals have been extended, right? Now that people have tasted, you know, video medicine and they know where it applies appropriately, it's here to stay. And so, you know, our governments have recognized that and are extending uh, those codes and making that more permanent, which is a very good thing for everybody. So where do you think Austin is now and where do you think we're going to go in the future? What excites you about the Austin technology community? Uh, I get excited by the continued amount of diversity. Like I don't want a city that's only about cybersecurity and uh, a smattering of other tech or only about health tech, although I think we're a little behind in some of our health tech. But, you know, I think it's fantastic when our technology ecosystems have a lot of diversity in there because it raises everybody up. No company really operates in a bubble anymore, right? If they're great cyber companies here in town, that's going to benefit me as a market network because I need that expertise. If there's strong development shops here in town, that benefits me. So that diversity raises us all up and the diversity helps bring the right talent into town. And we all benefit from that. And it brings investors in town and we all benefit from that. So I really think the diversity of the type of technology companies coming here is very exciting. So what do you think the future holds? Um, more of the same. <laughs> I, I really do think we'll see more diversity coming um, with the amount of venture that has come into Texas recently. I think we'll see more and more. What will be interesting to see is what happens, not necessarily from the startup scene or the technology companies that are headquartered here, but what happens in the near future from a talent perspective. You know, when Austin, like many cities, when you grow just that fast, um, we, we're having growing pains and we've had growing pains for years, but they were made larger um, in the recent years because of the growth, right? We can't get ahead of some of these problems and eventually some of those challenges with cost of housing, availability of housing, you know, transportation, some of those things are going to catch up to us and talent's not going to want to come here. But then if you go back to the ability to work from anywhere, that may not be as big of an issue. 
Sure. Well, again, as a community, we have to be careful. You know, we've we've done so much over the last 30 years to, to grow this ecosystem of technology that is admired by cities all over the country, shoot, all over the world. But I think that as as a, a community, we have to make sure that, that we continue to grow and that we are sustainable with that. But I agree with, with what you said, that having that diverse base of types of businesses, if you go back 30 years, the Austin Technology Council was actually founded as the Austin Software Council because software was the dominant piece of technology that was being created in Austin. And it was only a few years later that that diversity started to begin and the organization became the Austin Technology Council. But I think one thing Austin has going for it is we're a very resilient city, tying back to the first part of our conversation. I think that we've we've weathered the ups and downs of the past several decades uh, better than many places. And I think that when I look to the future, I think that if the future looks bright because we are a very resilient city who is going to figure out the answers to these bigger questions that you just talked about, whether it's the cost of housing, whether it's transportation, et cetera. Uh, I think we have some of the, the best visionary thought leader minds here that when they come together, and actually want to tackle these things, I think we'll be able to solve them. I agree with you. I think we are very resilient, and I think we do have a very bright future. Well, Carolyn, it has been so nice to have you here as a guest. Any final words for the audience who's listening, whether it's about resiliency or about why Austin is awesome? Oh, you know what? Austin is awesome because the people who live here care, and they are compassionate and friendly and helpful. And it is unique. I mean, Texas itself is a friendly state, but if you compare us to other cities in the state, I hear over and over again from new transplants, everyone wants to help. Like in Austin, you can be competitors and still help each other. And I think Austin, that's a part of the tech scene, but it's a part of just Austin in general, if you're in tech or not. And then Austin has amazing outdoor um, you know, we're not flat. We're hilly. It's beautiful. There's things to do if you like to hike or birds or, and it has great indoor facilities. And Austin just has a little bit of something for everyone. Yep. I agree with you. I've, I've had a great, I've been here 31 years. I've had a great run and I really enjoy, enjoy the town. And you bring up a really interesting point and that is that people really do want to help. They do want to build community. And the other thing is, is many people I've, I've been out meeting with executives around town since I've taken this job. And the one consistent that people say is that, you know, in Austin, unlike some other tech hubs that exist out there, most people will take your call. Not everybody, but most people will take your call if you have something interesting to say. And I've certainly found that as I've transitioned into this new role with the Austin Technology Council. Most people are willing to take that call. And those are the people who want to see this community thrive. I would agree with that. It's an amazing city. Well, Carolyn Jenkins, if somebody listened to this and they're like, I've got to find out more about her or more about We Are Here, how do they find you? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um Carolyn Trevino Jenkins. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me at wearehere.com. Nice. So go check out wearehere.com or find her on LinkedIn. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening, everybody. You know what? Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast joy. And go follow the Austin Technology Council on all the social medias. It's just Austin Technology Council. You'll find us everywhere. And go out there and make your own waves in business and be resilient while you're at it and have some fun along the way. And whatever it is that you do, find a way to positively impact the people who you encounter today. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. 
Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.